you cut your finger while chopping some veggies for dinner, or maybe you get a cut while you're playing sports or a tool slips when you're working on a car or some other sort of home project, would you know what to do? What if you or someone you were with got a severe cut or a wound that just wouldn't stop bleeding? Would you know how to handle that? Recently, Mitch cut himself, and he says pretty badly, and now, and now he's afraid he did all the wrong things. Oh, I think <laughs> so, so. I don't know. So not only are we going to find out how badly he screwed things up, but we're, <laughs> we're also going to make sure that all of us guys know what to do in case of a severe or, you know, even a not so severe cut or wound. Today, stuff guys should know. First aid for cuts and lacerations. This is Who Cares About Men's Health. With information, inspiration, and a different interpretation of men's health. I'm Scott Singpill. I bring the BS. The MD to my BS is Dr. Troy Matson. Hey, Scott. I'm ready to talk about cuts. Good. I, you're, uh, you're the guy that's going to do that. So I'm glad <laughs> we don't have a guest. So yeah. it's me. And uh, bringing his unique perspective and also a plethora of topics to the show as he lives them. It's uh, Mitch Sears. What if I were to not have accidents and be 100 percent healthy? Would we still have a show? No. Like I don't know. Okay. Oh, no, we wouldn't. No. Uh, Troy, I got a question before we get into what Mitch did and his story and find out like how many things he did wrong and how many things he did right and <laughs> yeah. what we should have done. Uh, in the ER, what are some of the more common causes of cuts or wounds that you see? You know, certainly one of the most common things I see is people cutting vegetables or cutting food and a knife slips and cuts their hand. So that's not at all uncommon. I will say the most gnarly hand injuries I see are table saws and <gasps> oh. those are nasty. And when someone loses a finger, I, I pretty much know it's a table saw. Like it's it's rare. It's something else, but often table saws. We do see really, really nasty wounds, you know, lacerations from car accidents, things like that, where you're talking like high impact injuries and deep penetrating wounds. Certainly we see people with knife wounds, stab wounds, that kind of thing as well. But in terms of just stuff that's going to happen to you on a regular basis, we're probably talking about cutting vegetables or cutting something and slicing thing for dinner and the knife slips and get your hand. That's the most common thing. Was it last year that everyone was getting avocado hand? Where yeah. they were like, yeah, oh my, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And there was actually an article published on it, uh, you know, a case series of people who had avocado hand from cutting avocados and the knife slips and cuts their hand. So yeah, that's a a new, um, I, I don't know that it's a new injury, but something we're seeing more of. And that's because they're holding the avocado in their hand and they're just, I, I, yeah. I guess I'm trying to figure out what's going on. They're holding the, because this is what I do. And probably, <laughs> probably I shouldn't be. I hold the avocado, I take the yeah. knife, and then I just circular go around yep. the pit in the middle of the avocado and then split it open. Yep. And then it slips and gets your hand. Oh. And are you yeah. holding it when you're cutting it? Yeah. 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 I'm, the, I'm the same way. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't, I don't do that. <laughs> I use a really dull, I, but my knife isn't super sharp. It's not like the sharp knife in the kitchen. Well, that's one or of the myths, though. You probably yeah. think because it's a dull knife that it's not going to cut your hand. A dull knife is worse than a sharp knife because it's going to slip more easily and it's still going to cut your hand. I cut my mm. hand, believe it or not, I cut my hand open with a butter knife and that's ridiculous. Yeah. If there's enough force behind it, because I was trying to split apart some hamburger patties, I was having people always going <laughs> to grill them up and they were frozen and slipped and just jammed me in the hand and cut my <laughs> hand open. So oh. any knife can cut your hand, but yeah, yeah sharper is better. And also the rule is never cut towards you when you're cutting something I've heard. Sure. Yeah. Like, you know, if you're cutting tape on a box or yeah. you're just cutting anything, especially 
like if you have to put force behind it and you're pulling it towards you, that could be bad news. Oh, so. absolutely. Yes. All right. So the most common thing, knives, what about like if people are out in the wilderness or recreating? I mean, do you see cuts, you know, recreational sports, those sorts of things? Or is it really truly the knife is the biggest enemy here? Well, you know, yeah, there's pocket knives if you're out in the wilderness. Occasionally, very oh. rarely, you might see someone who gets kind of impaled by a branch or something. And I can say from personal experience that happened to me while I was skiing once, like a branch got me right in the neck. And it was one of those things where I just hold my hand up on my throat. And I'm like, that did not get my carotid artery. Did it? <laughs> like I'm not like spewing blood out, but, but you, you can occasionally see things like that. Chainsaw injuries. I have seen chainsaw injuries as well, where people are cutting. And as you take that motion down across the log, they may it, Maybe it kind of slips or goes too far and gets their leg. So I have seen very rarely, but occasionally bad injuries from chainsaws, you know, in terms of other wilderness stuff, I will say, and I think my brother-in-law is okay with me telling this because he's told this story many times and my wife has told this story many times, but we took him skiing and his skis crossed and that sharp edge on the ski, that metal edge got him in the shin and sliced his shin open. So brought him home, sewed him up, got him back on the mountain he was still kind of oozing some blood out of it. So when he wrecked, right? Because like, you know, yeah, lift passes aren't cheap. So exactly. You know, if you're gonna pay, you're gonna use it. So like <laughs> after that, when he would wreck, because then he had blood in his snow pants too. You know, so when he had wrecked, wow. you would just see like blood going down the kind of on the snow. So you, you got to figure all these skiers there seeing blood on the snow are like, whoa, this is crazy. Anyway, um, those are some of the wilderness injuries I've seen. All right. So uh, I think we need to differentiate, right? There's probably different types of cuts or wounds. I mean, is there like a classification that you as a doctor uh, use, like, you know, a minor cut versus something that's more serious? Do they have names or anything? Uh, Not necessarily. We probably think more in terms of the location of the cut and the depth of the cut. Okay. So certainly cuts in the neck are very concerning. There's so much there you can injure that's very serious abdominal penetrating injuries we really worry about something that hits the bowel the spleen the liver and there it's more about the depth beyond that certainly i think about tendon injuries and ligament injuries so if it gets your hand is everything moving okay you know the face we're worried a lot about cosmetic outcomes and some of the issues there if it's uh you know a, a laceration where it's it's a, like a jagged sort of thing or it's removed tissue um, I should mention as well, you know, just the reality is we do see lacerations also from animal bites. Uh, that's probably a common one I should mention oh, also from dog. Like dog. And, yeah, dog yeah. and cat bites. Yeah, yeah. Um, we definitely see those things as well. So and those can be ones where you really have to worry about infection in addition to just that the kind of the tough things with cosmetic outcomes, given that sometimes some of the tissue just is kind of gnarly and chewed up or torn away. So. So, yeah, I can't say there's necessarily just a classification system, but that's the way I think about it. I think about location, depth, and infection, and what's beneath there that's been injured potentially. All right. So as we go through this, we're going to try to help give some information and learn ourselves, Mitch and I, uh, what to do if you know somebody we know or ourselves, we get some sort of a cut and maybe when to make that decision that this is beyond our skill set. Uh, Mitch, I'm curious. So... You you cut yourself. That's a common thing. You cut yourself, right? You're kind of clumsy. Is that what you've told us before? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty clumsy. Okay. It, I I it was uh um the person who lived with me before had the most intense first aid kit 
It's a gigantic fish tackle box. Nice. Because uh, of you? Because of because of me. And okay. so yeah, uh, it's pretty well stocked. And uh, he left it before he moved out. So I'm really glad that he did. But All yeah, right. it's embarrassing. Yeah. No. So I, I was just even thinking, like, if this happened to me, if I got a cut, like, I I would have some things I would do. Um, but I don't even know where I've learned them. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I got this information. Like, Mitch, when you cut yourself, how did you learn how to treat it? Was it like Boy Scouts or your parents or like action movies? <laughs> how did how did you cut yourself first? Oh, I washing dishes. <laughs> like, so, like a dish broke or yeah. Well, we'll talk about it in just a I second. Mean, I, I'm laughing, and that's not cool. Yeah. But I was picturing after, like after no. I said action movies, I'm picturing like Arnold Schwarzenegger in an action no. movie. Doing dishes. Ow. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you need a better story, definitely. <laughs> I, I know, no, but we're gonna keep it real this time. Um Yeah, let's go through. Let's find oh, sure. out what let's find out what you did, and then Troy can comment on was it right or was it wrong? And then we can kind of go outside of your experience, like had it been worse, what should you have done and, and you know, et cetera. So let's just walk us through it. Sure. So I'm washing dishes. And I have a large red wine glass in one hand and I have a sponge in my right hand and I had put it down into the bowl of the red wine glass and was going back and forth trying to get the edge. And somewhere in that motion, somewhere where I'd held it, it's a cheap Ikea glass, whatever, uh, it split at like a 45 degree angle Mm. and a big chunk fell out and it as I was coming back and around that, yeah, yeah it, uh, the back side of my right thumb, it went over and in. It was really like, it was not super sharp. So it was real jagged, real bad. Um, and so I was then bleeding all over the place. It hurt really, really bad. I tried lifting it above my head for a minute. Trying to see if I could like... And the blood's dripping on your head. Oh, yep. It's coming down. I'm looking around trying to find something to like apply pressure. So I grab like the dirty dish towel, which now I'm wondering like, oh, should I have put a dirty dish towel on there? So, Well, like how dirty was it really? Uh, It's not like there was dirt on it. And clean like just, you know, some food, just like little bits yeah, okay. of food scraps or whatever. Okay. Nothing too terrible. Right. But now I'm holding that on. I'm lifting it above my head. I'm going into I run into the bathroom. Um, I pull it off. It's still bleeding real bad. Um, so I turn on the tap and I stick it underneath. It starts stinging really bad. Yeah. I'm now worrying that like. I live in a hundred year old building. Like, is the tap water actually worthwhile? Is it gross? Am I just adding all of these germs into it? I don't know. Right. Mm. Um, and then I'm like reaching over with my other hand and pulling out, you know, the first aid kit and opening up this giant tackle box. I grab the hydrogen peroxide Ooh. and I give it a quick once over and it starts bubbling and everything hurts like, you know, a mother. And then it, then I was like, oh no this maybe is too, and it's it's still bleeding. And so then I'm like, okay, here's what we'll do. I have some alcohol swabs. I'll hit it with some alcohol swabs, right? (laughs) I'm going to make sure that this big thing doesn't, doesn't, you know, get bad, right? Nothing's going to live in there. Go nuclear, right? Wow. Right. And then, so I'm like, I'm now again, hands still above. Uh, It's the blood has slowed enough that I was able to get like a scooch of like Neosporin in there. And then I got these big old waterproof uh, uh, band-aids and I was able to get one on long enough that it uh, was able to kind of like stop the leak. And I don't know, it kind of powered the like it bled through that band-aid. I changed it a few times that day. 
And uh, we've been okay since. Hmm. So, all right, yeah. interesting. Yeah, yeah, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mitch, I, yeah, Mitch. Honestly, I don't know where to start after hearing all that. So. <laughs> but it's a great example because I think those are all things that every one of us would think about doing. Is you know, in the moment, we're just like, well, what do I do? I'm bleeding all over the place, and I'm worried about infection, and I need to sterilize this thing. And I heard about hydrogen peroxide, and I heard about lifting my hand over the level of my heart, and <laughs> yeah. I heard about washing it out. But what do I, you know? So I, I, I can't blame you for anything you did there. Well, because yeah, you hear all of these like little one-offs, right? And right. it's just, and so you kind of hodgepodge together everything you, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So the first thing you did is you lifted it above the level of your heart. So you lifted it above your head yep. thinking Shot that it straight would up. help. Yeah, I, you know, it probably didn't help a lot. I'm guessing <laughs> okay. it probably just right. made the blood drop from higher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but then you reached for the dish towel and that's what you did right. So that's the number one thing you did. Okay. If you're bleeding, you just want to hold pressure. And if it's a dirty dish towel, who cares? Honestly, oh, really? You just want to hold pressure. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not that big a deal. It's not like this dish towel is covered in dirt from the ground. Like sure. if you're getting actual dirt in there, you get a, maybe a little more concerned there. We always worry about tetanus risk, yeah, but you always want to make sure your tetanus booster is up to date anytime you have a laceration. But you know, it's not like you're pushing dirt or animal feces or something crazy <laughs> like that in your wound. Right. So if anything you can find just to hold pressure, is the thing I'd recommend. But then you said you ran into the bathroom and wanted to wash it out with tap water really quickly. So I'm curious, yeah. how long did you actually hold pressure on there? Oh, uh, not, not very long. Like I, a I, was, I was, I was maybe a minute or two. I was panicking. Yeah. I mean, the blood was going right through the towel. It was like, yeah. Ooh, we got to go next step, next step. But maybe that was too early. Yeah, then yeah, it, it probably was. I will just say the step you want to just really focus on when you're bleeding is holding pressure. Okay. And it's so tempting to hold pressure for 30 seconds to a minute because it feels like it's been forever. And then you pull it off and you look and it's like, wow, it's still bleeding. Hold pressure for 10 minutes. Just wow. hold pressure okay. on it. That's the best way to stop bleeding is just to hold pressure on it. Even if that that whatever it is, is just getting blood drenched, just yeah. continue to hold pressure. Just keep holding pressure okay. and then just grab another one and throw it on there. You I know. mean, is, is it as much blood as we think it is coming um, out in an instance like that? Yeah, it's, it's a good point, Scott, because it, it often just seems so much more. Number one, because it's our own blood. And anytime yeah. we see our own blood, it's just like, it just seems like I'm so leaking. much. Yeah. yeah, it just seems like we're just bleeding profusely. And you're right. On a towel, you know, that blood can spread out quite a ways and it looks like a whole lot more blood than we've actually put out. But the bottom line is just keep holding pressure. That is the number one thing you can do to stop the bleeding. Yeah. What's, what's going on then? Like just a, a couple sentences. Don't overwhelm us with your medical knowledge. Like, <laughs> what's putting pressure on it doing? Yeah. Holding pressure, number one, allows the blood to sit there and coagulate if the blood's just running off, it's not going to coagulate or form a clot. And it lets those clotting factors in the blood sit there and accumulate. So the bleeding will stop. So number one, putting pressure stops the blood from coming out. Number two, it allows that clotting process to take place. Okay. So that's the number one thing you can do. Hold pressure, sit there, just keep holding pressure. Don't feel like you need to move to the next step, which I think Mitch, in your mind, was washing it out, which would be the next step eventually. But just keep holding pressure. Okay. So then hold pressure and then you do need to wash it out after that. So like after the bleeding stops, 
then then would you get the hydrogen peroxide or the tap water or the alcohol or the neospore? I, I did everything That's I could. That's a great question. You did everything. The only thing on that list I would recommend is the tap water. Oh, really? So a couple of reasons for that. Number one, tap water, even if it's in your old apartment that's 100 years old and you're worried what's in the pipes, I guarantee that tap water is perfectly fine to wash it out. Studies have even been done in the emergency department looking at washing out wounds with tap water versus with sterile saline, you know, water that has nothing in it. And these studies looked, what's the infection risk? There is no greater infection risk with tap water. Totally same outcomes. So if someone comes to the ER, yeah, so if someone comes in and they've got a laceration on their hand, I just turn on the tap water in their room lukewarm water. And I just say, put your hand under this for five minutes. Just let it run over it. Just let it wash it out really well. And that's what they do. Just do the same thing at home. Just turn on the tap water, just make it lukewarm, not too hot, not too cold, not uncomfortable. And just sit there with your hand under it. Or, you know, if it's a laceration somewhere else, maybe you're trying to to do this in the tub, but usually it's going to be a hand that you're, you're doing this with, uh, but just let it run over it. Doesn't have to be a lot of force. You're not trying to shoot stuff through it. You're just letting it gradually just run through it, wash it out. It's going to clean it out just fine. So in the thing you did there, Mitch, too, you grabbed the hydrogen peroxide and the alcohol swabs because obviously you're thinking to yourself, I'm so concerned about infection. I've heard I need to use hydrogen peroxide. I need to sterilize this thing. I don't want it to get infected. I will just say here to everyone, just never use hydrogen peroxide or rubbing alcohol on a wound. Really? Yeah. The reason you don't want to do that is because, yeah, it's going to kill bacteria, but it's also going to kill healthy tissue. So all that tissue that's exposed there in the wound, it can kill that tissue off and it just makes it harder to heal. It makes scarring worse. So just don't do it. You don't need it. Your body's going to fight off the bacteria just fine. Well, when I was growing up, it was always hydrogen peroxide. Always, always, always. Every sk- scraped knee, everything. Like mom or dad yeah. would always get the hydrogen peroxide, oh, yeah. roll it on. We've all been there. And it hurt like crazy. And it, oh, just, yeah. it just added insult to injury. And we just, you know, made us cry. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it doesn't help. I know that we've all been raised that way. Huh. And it, intuitively, you think, I've got to get this thing as sterile and clean as possible. But the tap water is going to do the trick. Just let that tap water run over it. Your body will fight off infection. The hydrogen peroxide, it's just going to do more harm than good. So just don't don't use it. I don't recommend it at all. And it just, you know, like I said, it kills the the healthy tissue off. And what about the alcohol? What about alcohol in a wound like that? Uh, Same idea. Rubbing alcohol. Yep. Same idea. It's going to kill off healthy tissue. Exactly. So it's just, it's not something you need to use. And I just, I don't recommend it. So so really, we're just looking at two essential steps here. And I know, you you know, when you see something like this, you really feel like you have to do so much for it. But the two things you just need to do is hold pressure, hold it, keep it there. Don't feel like you need to move on to the next step. Just make sure the bleeding stopped. And then when the bleeding stopped, you can just wash it, you know, wash it out under some some lukewarm water. And it might bleed a little more as you're doing that. You know, it's not going to usually open up and really bleed a ton. But if it's bleeding too much, then just take it out from under the water, hold pressure again for five to 10 minutes, and then go back to washing it out. All right. And what about neosporin after the fact? Oh, yeah. Does that does that help? You know, neosporin or any other antibiotic ointments really typically are not necessary to get rid of infection or prevent that. I do tell people you can use it on a wound because it's probably more just because it creates a moist environment. It helps that wound reduce the scarring. I don't know that it helps it heal up any faster. 
it's not something where you need to feel like I need to get Neosporin on this right now. Like as it's healing, you know, yeah, you could put Neosporin on it twice a day under the Band-Aid and just creating kind of a more of a moist environment helps with wound healing. But the antibacterial antibiotic component of Neosporin, I don't know that that makes a big difference. All right. So two steps. Wow. Okay. Pressure until it stops bleeding and then rinse it with tap water. If it starts bleeding again, apply pressure, just kind of keep doing that. At what point would you be like, oh, I better go to the urgent care or the ER? Yeah. Like, obviously, I guess, I mean, we we could talk if it doesn't stop bleeding. I guess that would probably be, you know, a big one. But like, let's say you did get it to stop bleeding. You're looking at it. How could you tell if, well, I better actually have somebody still look at this. So if you get it, so so it's a good point. If you don't get it to stop bleeding, you need to get some help. And there we're talking, you know, and if you get an artery and you've got pulsatile bleeding where it's like shooting out like Ooh. with with your heartbeat, that gets more concerning. And there and you can tell, like the average person could tell if they got an artery. I mean, yeah. literally, yeah. It it's, so shooting. Yeah. it's shooting yeah, it out. Cartoonish, but that's what it does. It pumps out. Yeah, it shoots okay. out. Like it's not just that thing where it's just oozing out or just keeps flowing. Like you can see it like a rainbird sprinkler, just maybe <laughs> not that far, but it's kind of, you know, you can see that pulsation with the blood coming out where it's kind of shooting out. So that's different. And again, hold pressure, absolutely hold pressure there. And hold pressure and just don't let it up. But, you know, certainly if you're talking about something like that on the larger arteries, which, you know, your neck, that's a whole other situation there. But if that's the situation, there, that's a that's a bad one. Uh, but your wrist over your radial or ulnar arteries, that can happen there. If you happen to cut the 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 palmar side, you know, where your palm is on your hand, that side of your wrist, it would be unusual to get that in the femoral artery in your groin, but it can happen. So those are the areas that we really get concerned about an injury to the artery. All right. So if it's if you're just not getting it to stop bleeding, you're applying some good solid pressure for how long? Yeah, 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. I mean, you should it should ease up like it should it should not be a, a constant flow if you've been holding good, consistent pressure for at least 10 minutes. Okay. And if that's not happening, then urgent care or ER. Yeah. And if it's that pulsatile bleeding, especially in those arteries yeah, I mentioned, sure. call 911. <laughs> like get, okay. get an ambulance there. Yeah. Yeah. Don't mess around. Yeah. Don't, right. don't mess around. Like if it's like your wrist and it's a radial artery that's shooting blood out, hold pressure and call 911. Now you get the bleeding to stop. Let's say that's a situation. How big of a wound does it need to be? for you to go, I probably should get some stitches or something done. That, yeah. That, that's, that's definitely awesome. where I'm at because. Okay. okay. Yeah. Oh, you're still there. Yeah. It's, I mean, <laughs> it's probably it too late. bleeding. Like it's been yeah. like two days now, but like, yeah, it's still, it's still sizable when I take the bandaid off. Yeah. Was it deep enough that you felt like you got bone or anything like that? No, not bone. No, but definitely okay. some nerves in there. It's, it, it hurts differently than just a basic sting. Yeah. So in terms of stitches, it's often a judgment call. But if the wound is gaping, meaning the edges of the wound are apart and let's say, you know, a quarter of an inch apart, half inch apart, and they're just not staying together, that's probably when you need stitches. Because the whole point of stitches is just to hold the wound together so it heals up well. And the reality is all wounds will eventually heal. You know, they're all going to fill in. It just may mean it leaves a bigger scar or it takes longer to heal, or you could have an increased risk of infection because it's sitting open for longer where the stitches close it up and prevent that. But it is a little bit of a judgment call. 
Um, but that's my rule of thumb is if it's just, you know, if it's a gaping wound, it just is not holding together well, then you probably need stitches. And in some areas you're going to have bigger issues with that than others, like on your forearm or something, you know, you could probably hold it together pretty well with a Band-Aid versus something over maybe a little further up your arm, kind of near your elbow where it's bending and it just keeps popping it open. That's just not going to heal up well unless you've got stitches holding it closed. And then there's cosmetic considerations too. Oh, like if it's yeah. gaping, it's not going to heal. The, the, you're going to have a, a bigger scar. So yeah, I guess you are. Yeah, okay. yeah. Have, right. yeah. You're going to have a much lower threshold to come in for something on your face than on your arm or your leg. All so right. yeah, right. definitely. And that's something we always think about with the face is the cosmetic concerns. And we're much more likely to, to sew something up. Or even in some cases where it's pretty minor, you can use just the tissue adhesive, just like the super glue for the yeah. skin. And that works really well. Like we use that in the ER and you can get some stuff over the counter that's not quite the same thing, but it's pretty close. And you can even try using that stuff too. Because that was going to be my next step. And I didn't know whether or not that would be a good idea or a bad idea. Yeah. And that's tough. The okay. reason it's tough is because the longer a wound stays open, the more you just need to leave it open to heal because... Well, there, there's kind of a fine line there. So so typically if someone comes in the ER and they tell me, let's say you, you came in and you've had this wound and it's now been two days. Mm -hmm. And let's say I looked at it and I said, we need to put stitches in that. I would say we can't do it right now because it's just been open for too long. Now, that being said, someday, sometimes we'll give it a few days, like three or four days. And then at that point, we'll do what's called a delayed closure but usually for most wounds, especially on the hands and feet, like far away from the heart where there's not good blood supply, usually those you have to close them up within 12 hours or the infection risk really goes up. Uh, and we'll go up to 24 hours on the face just because the face, you're near to the heart. You've got good blood perfusion there. You know, you've got blood there that's going to fight infection. But time is it, it's not like you have to get right in the ER or the urgent care. But if you're talking about a hand wound, you probably want to get there within the first six hours or so. Can they stitch in the urgent care? Oh yeah, yeah. That's okay. they, so, yeah, yeah. That's a all great right. place cool. to go. Yeah, and then they okay. can do they can do all their other assessment because you got to worry about the stuff underneath there too. Like I said, if there's nerve if there's nerve damage, if there's tendon damage, we always worry about lacerations that go into the joint as well. Like if you cut deeply and it goes into the joint or gets the bone, things like that, they can get X rays. They can do all that evaluation there. And worth getting that looked at then. And and that's pretty. Do you, do you would you say that the person, if somebody cut into a tendon or cut into the, a joint or something, they would know? Usually you're going to know. It's possible okay. to partially cut the tendon. The joint is sometimes tougher to know, but if it's a deep laceration right over a joint, so let's say right over, you know, on your finger, right where your finger bends, if it's a deep laceration and you're looking at it, you're like, wow, I'm concerned that's down to the bone. You probably need to get into at least an urgent care so they can wash it out really well get a good look at it and see if there's any injury to that joint. And again, the reason we worry about the joint is because you can get infections in the joint itself. So if that happens, if it is in the joint, typically you're going to see an orthopedic specialist and they're going to actually really wash that joint out well before they do any kind of wound closure. Okay. So it's pretty closed. I think I'm okay. But yeah. like if I keep an eye on it, you, well, if it's been exposed, whatever, like what about like signs of infection? Like what am I looking for? And when is it like I need to go to the doctor to see what's going on? Yeah. So 
definitely redness around the wound. Okay. That being said, though, every wound as it heals is going to get kind of red. That's sure. just part of the inflammation process of healing. So as that process is going on, you're always going to see a little bit of redness around a wound. But when you really see a lot of redness and warmth where it's expanding maybe an inch or two beyond the borders of the wound, certainly if you're seeing pus draining from the wound, and that's kind of tough too because as part of the healing process, you may see kind of a clear drainage from there sometimes. But if you're actually seeing just this kind of yellow greenish stuff coming out of it, that gets concerning. And then beyond that, sometimes as things really get worse, you'll start to see these red streaks going up your hand or going up your arm. That's much more concerning for an infection. And something I always worry about with the hand is if you cut, say, on on your hand, on the front part, like the palmar side of your finger, if it gets down in the tendon, you can get an infection along the tendon. And usually there, you're going to have a lot of trouble bending or straightening your finger. And if you push along that tendon as it goes up your hand and then up from there, it really hurts all along there. Okay. And sometimes the finger gets really kind of fat and swollen too. So that's that's definitely more concerning for infection. But big thing is redness and drainage. Fevers, you know, if it gets really bad, you may have a fever. All right, Mitch, how you doing? I'm okay. It's all kind okay. of gross. I just feel dumb. It's like I... I I don't know. It's it's I, I cut myself washing dishes and then it's just like, oh, man, maybe I should have gone into the you know, well, urgent care, you like know, I, like I told you, I sliced my hand open with a butter knife trying to split <laughs> frozen hamburgers. Right. And then the worst part of that is, you know, I, I guess was, I, I was too embarrassed to go into work. It was more like one of those things like I don't want to go in. Maybe it was more that like I just want, don't want to deal with this. So I just uh-huh. washed it out really well. I held ice on it because that kind of numbed it up. And then I grabbed some stitches and I stitched it up myself. <laughs> and that's what I did. So, yeah. So, yeah. So Sometimes you just don't want to face your coworkers. No, you really don't. I just like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to go in. <laughs> Uh, so you still, you still think maybe you should have gone to an urgent care or an ER then Mitch or uh, just based on some of the things that he was saying, how, you know, it, it kept bleeding for a while after, um, it was me more like sh- putting band-aids on top, trying to like keep it from, from overflowing. Um, and then just with how like wide it has stayed over the last day or two, it's like, oh, I probably should have gone and got oh, yeah. a stitch. Yeah. But. And it's it's tough, though. I bet if you had held pressure for longer, it would have stopped bleeding a lot faster. Oh, that's, that's a tough thing with Band-Aids. They really, they're going to absorb blood, <laughs> yep. but they're not really putting a lot of pressure on there. So so in Mitch's case, um, you know, the, the bleeding did eventually stop. What about like severe cuts? You, you hear that maybe you should use some sort of a tourniquet or something like that. Is that a good way to apply pressure or not so much? Yeah, the old Boy Scout question. manual yeah. makes it seem like you got to put a tourniquet on the second it happens. Oh, I know. <laughs> it really does. And that's something I learned in Boy Scouts too is the, is the value of a tourniquet. I would say avoid a tourniquet at all costs. And the reason that I, I say that is just because if you're using a tourniquet, you're going to cut off the blood supply to that wound and you're going to cut off the blood supply to that entire limb. So here's a chance. Mm, not sure. only, yeah, not only are you not going to bleed out of the wound, you're just, you're going to lose that limb potentially. So if you cut, if you use a tourniquet, that being said, very rarely uh, a medical transport team will use a tourniquet and that's in a case of life-threatening bleeding. But I personally would not recommend using it unless someone has, let's say you have that chainsaw injury I mentioned and it takes off your leg or someone's leg <laughs> and it's, and it's the only way you're going to stop that bleeding, you know, <laughs> <I don't> know. <laughs> but just, just avoid a tourniquet unless you think the person is absolutely going to die because they have lost a limb and they're bleeding out from it. So, um, 
yeah, it's something I think okay. we think about because of those Boy Scout manuals and lessons we may have learned, but just try to avoid a tourniquet. Just hold pressure. That's the number one key. Hold pressure. Yeah. And I'm just going to take this to the extreme. So we got Mitch cutting himself on a wine glass and then we've yeah. got a situation where somebody's bleeding really, really badly. And you're like, I don't know if pressure is going to be the right answer, but pressure is always the right answer. And then trying to get somebody there that's a professional as quickly as possible. Is that yep. true? Is pressure always the right answer when somebody's bleeding? 99, no matter how bad? 99.9% .9 of the time. Yes. Okay. There are extremely rare cases where a tourniquet may be necessary, but yeah. Just don't even think about it, like unless sure. it's just just a dire situation. And just realize if you use a tourniquet, they may well lose their arm or leg. So, okay. that's so the, the best thing you could do if you're in a situation where somebody's bleeding really badly is apply pressure. Yep, apply pressure and, and, and hold 911 and call 911. Just hold pressure there. Yep, and you can get an right. ACE wrap on there too to hold pressure on it. You can wrap that around there pretty tightly. Certainly not so tightly it's cutting out the blood supply like a tourniquet would, but anything you can do just to hold pressure. Yep. And get that uh, coagulation to start happening. Yeah, exactly. The clotting. Get the clotting to happen. Yep. All right. Takeaways. Uh, Mitch, do you have one? Uh, okay. So it's a lot easier than I thought. It's pressure plus <laughs> tap water. It yep. doesn't require like five <laughs> bottles and a panic attack and like, you know, all the, ugh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And waving your hand above your head like you're one of those <laughs> flailing arm guys that you see at car dealership. Yeah. Well, but, but again, that's advice that I've gotten from other people, right? I was told, like, yeah. oh, be sure to raise it above your heart. And it's like, oh, what am I doing? <laughs> right. So uh, the takeaway for me is just to time, you know, just. Oh, sure. I, I, think, I think, like Troy said, you know, it's easy to have it on there for 45 seconds and go, is yeah. it done yet? Is it done yet? Is it done yet? <laughs> so, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes isn't, you know, unheard of yeah. from what I'm gathering. Exactly. Yep. All right. And Troy, do you have any takeaways? <laughs> I don't know how, how that might work out, but I'll ask. No, yeah. My takeaway and I, but my takeaway is the stuff Mitch did is stuff we've all done. And it's stuff that it's at least crossed my mind in that moment where you're bleeding and you're just thinking, wow, I'm bleeding so much. And it's just very different when it's happening to you and it's not someone else. So I sometimes I've had to remind myself, just hold pressure. Just hold pressure and don't keep looking every 30 seconds. Just keep it on there. Even look at the clock and say, I'm going to leave it on for five minutes and I'll look after five minutes. All right. Well, this is a good episode. It's a good episode. If you ever find a situation where uh, either you are bleeding or somebody that you're with is bleeding, how do you handle that? It's the simple two steps. If you have ever had a situation or uh, if, if there's a question you have, like, you know, maybe Mitch didn't do something you would have done. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, but I guess it could happen. Uh, you could reach out to us at any time via email. Hello at thescoperadio.com. That's hello at thescoperadio.com. Thank you for listening and thank you for caring about men's health.